I was camping and hiking in the Okefenokee Swamp. We, my girlfriend and me, were far from being the only ones there. But when we woke up one morning, we took a canoe out in the swamp to explore. It was early, there was a thick layer of fog resting just atop the water. The whole swamp was completely still. No animals in sight at all. We paddled down the waterway for a while and saw nothing else. Not a single person. Not a bird. Not anything. We didn't hear a single sound. We had just cornered a bend in the swamp and we hear it. The loudest guttural bellow I had ever heard in my life. I could feel it echo through my chest. A true dinosaur sound. We stopped paddling and looked at each other a little creep head out. We knew it was an alligator, but we had never heard one that loud. We both looked behind the canoe and behind us the backs and eyes of at least twenty alligators had risen. They had just surfaced out of nowhere. We slowly start to paddle forward and we hear more bellows. They came from all around us. In front, behind, to the sides, sounds emanating from the bush-covered banks. Each glance behind us we saw more eyes appear, more scaled mounds breaking the water's surface. From the banks in front we would catch tails sliding into the water. Ripples of these huge reptiles broke the water all around us. We looked back again as we paddled faster. Easily forty alligators behind us now, and we began to see them appear in front. Ten-fifteen huge lizards seemingly blocking our path. Then one of the largest alligators I have ever seen surfaces right where my paddle was going down. I hit the beast on the back of the head, and the thrash he made was incredible. When his massive head hit the side of the small canoe, I thought we were going in the water. Water came into the canoe as the side dipped down. The beast disappeared below the boat and we held steady. We paddled forward as fast as we could ride into the dotted landscape of scales and eyes. Behind us that same guttural roar echoed through my body. As we cut through the field of eyes and backs, we started to see the path clear. The huge monster that had almost capsized us bellowed one last time. We turned as we made it past the last of the animals, and we could see the monster staring at us, watching us leave. All the other alligators began to sink to the water's floor. The big guy stayed there watching until he was satisfied we had gone, I guess. Then he disappeared without a sound back into the black murky depths of the swamp. We banked the canoe further up the waterway, got out and just sat around for a while taking in what had just happened. This happened back in 2018, but it still frightens me whenever I think about it. Me and a friend wanted to hang out, we come from a very small, boring town with not much to do. We decided that we wanted to eat at Chipotle, then walk over to the only shopping center available in our town. The walk to the shopping center wasn't bad. Chipotle was about five minutes away, and the overall area is pretty safe. Me and my friend were walking along the sidewalk that connects all the shops. 
but we were on the less populated side near a bookstore with lots of overgrown woods and grass surrounding the back of the building. We were goofing around taking stupid photos like freshman girls do when an older couple drove up to us in a van. The woman driving said, I just wanted to let you know that strange man parked over there has been following you around and it seemed like he was taking photos. We looked not far across the lot and saw a single van parked purposely secluded from other cars with a man staring right at us. He didn't even try to hide the fact that he was clearly singling us out. We were 14 and 15 at the time, so neither of us had a license. We had gotten dropped off by a parent. We told the woman thank you and immediately started sprinting into Target, since that was the area with the most people. We sat in the food court area and waited to get picked up. While we were sitting there, we noticed the man who was watching us had followed us inside the store and was standing alone in front of the woman's restroom, awkwardly fidgeting. I'm not one to judge, but since he was clearly up to no good. He was older and the definition of a creep. He looked dirty and was wearing an oversized outfit. Luckily we were safe, and we were extremely thankful for the woman that warned us. I couldn't even count the amount of times we thanked her. I don't even like to think about what could have happened if that woman didn't warn us and we didn't go inside that target. The story I'm about to share was related to me by a good friend, a regular deer hunter. The encounter he described, I'll admit, still sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. It was late autumn, the perfect time for deer hunting. He'd headed into the woods by himself early one morning, bound for his deer stand. The crunch of leaves underfoot and the crisp morning air filled him with a sense of thrill only a true hunter can understand. He was about a half mile from his destination when a spine-tingling sound froze him in his tracks. The distant howls of what seemed to be two wolves echoed through the trees, no more than a hundred yards out. The hair on the back of his neck stood on end and an icy shiver raced down his spine. Every instinct screamed at him to abandon his hunting trip. Forgetting his initial plans, he turned tail, making a mad dash back toward the main road where he had parked his car. His breath came in short, ragged gasps as he sprinted, the undergrowth crunching loudly under his frantic steps. After what felt like an eternity, but was probably no more than two minutes, he realized he was being pursued. The howls were louder, closer now, an eerie serenade that quickened his pace. He burst onto the main road, his heart pounding in his chest like a war drum. Glancing over his shoulder, he saw two large shapes lurking just at the edge of the woods, their eyes reflecting the weak dawn light. They were wolves, massive and ominous, but their stance was almost human-like, upright and eerily similar to that of a man. He had heard stories of the dogman, a creature with the body of a man and the head of a wolf, but he had always dismissed them as pure myth. Now he wasn't so sure. 
The creatures, whether they were wolves or something else, refused to venture onto the road, retreating into the shadows as he staggered to his car. They were indeed smart creatures, knowing their boundaries. He watched them fade back into the darkness, the realization of how terrifyingly close he had come to becoming their prey sinking in. He relayed this story to me, his eyes wide and still filled with the raw fear of that encounter. Even though I was not there myself, the vivid description, the terror in my friend's voice, made it feel all too real. Now, every time I hear a wolf's howl or find myself alone in the woods, I can't help but think of his chilling encounter. My mother and I live in Southern Oregon and have had multiple encounters with cryptids, the first being what we believed was Wolfman. The second was some humanoid with wings. It walked across our roof and flew down in front of our neighbor's house, landed on two feet and just casually walked away. It sounded like it was wearing boots while it walked across our roof and hit the pavement. The wings sounded like Bateman's capist description we could come up with. None of them felt menacing until now. We were driving home from Vegas and finally hit Susanville for gas and a snack. It was around midnight Saturday night. A few miles northwest of Susanville on the 44 we started seeing a lot of wildlife, so I was driving cautiously and had my eyes peeled for deer. I saw what I thought was a deer on the side of the road and slowed down to slow roll, about 30 miles per hour. It was huge and had long stilt-like legs. The front legs were spread really wide, so I slowed down more trying to process what I was seeing. Its head was down eating as we got closer it turned to look at us. The neck was thick and elongated as it swung its head towards us we saw its face. It wasn't quite a deer face, I didn't see ears and the nose PR mouth was elongated as well, almost like an anteater. Its eyes reflected red in my headlights. We both basically screamed and jumped back from the side window we were looking through. I swerved and sped away. Looking into its eyes was absolutely unnerving. A not deer was the first thing that came to mind but I honestly have no idea what we saw. Has anyone else seen something similar or have any idea of what we might have seen? Thank you for taking the time to read this. I haven't told this to anyone but my brother because he knows where this place is. There are remote cypress swamps along the Pearl River in central Mississippi, and some of them become inaccessible due to flooding during hunting season. The remoteness of some of these places create ideal situations for a hunter willing to put in the extra effort, and I have hunted these woods and swamps for years and know them well. Even though it's a bad idea, when I was younger I was confident enough to hunt back in there alone. One afternoon during duck season, a front was coming in, and I knew if I could get to Deal Island that it would be a good day. I put on my chest waders and rode my four-wheeler down an overgrown logging trail in the swamp to the edge of the flood. I waded a couple of sloughs and got to a particular honey hole where I could slay them. 
I did, and it was good. But when it came time to wade back out, I got a sense of unease that I could not explain. The weather was odd because even though the temp was dropping and a front was expected, everything was absolutely still and quiet. If you have ever been alone in a swamp at night, you will know what I mean, but everything is different when you can only see what's in the cone of light from your flashlight. I wasn't worried because my light was good and hell, I was carrying a 12 gauge shotgun. But still something kept making the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I was being watched and I could feel it. Sound carries funny in the swamp, but the sloshing noises I was making was the only thing I could hear. It was echoing back to me in funny ways and when I stopped to adjust the strap on the bag of decoys, the sloshing echo did not stop when it should have. Okay, there is something else in the swamp. No big deal. Some deer or hog will realize I am human in a minute and move away. Except it didn't. I would move for a bit and then stop and listen. The sound of something else out there would also stop, but it was getting closer. Not normal. The cone of my flashlight made the trees and tangled brush cast long, scraggly shadows that moved with me as I tried to hurry out of the swamp. My knuckles were turning white on that Remington 870, and I was wishing it was loaded with something heftier than number two steel shot. I noticed a very bad smell, like skunk, except much worse, and stopped again to listen and shine my light around. I noticed how the shadows continued to move, but holy crap, I'm not moving why are the Gotham shadows moving? A limb snapped, and when I spun around to face it, something that was not there made a soft hissing noise. The beam of my light just ended in a shape of nothingness that was not there. A breath of stench hit my face, and I heard that hissing sound again, and I got the F out of that swamp. I was shaking and drenched in sweat when I got back to the truck, and those woods did not feel like my woods anymore. When I say it was something that was not there, that is the only way I can describe it. My light hit it, and there was shadow behind it, but there was nothing there. Something in that swamp scared the crap out of me, and I do not want to know what it was. It was in the early hours of the morning on a particular day in the early 2000s when a middle-aged woman was found unconscious on the road in a Diwanya, Kuwait suburb. When she was taken to the hospital, she had a horrific story to tell the authorities. Apparently, she was a musician, and she had been hired to provide entertainment for a gathering in a large villa in the neighborhood she was found in. As the night went on, however, she came to realize that a number of her clients weren't entirely human. She tried to escape and evidently failed. This happened in Diwanya, Kuwait in Western Asia. In the early 2000s, stories appeared in the Kuwaiti media detailing the run in that a hapless victim had with beings that would normally be confined to the dark reaches of mythology and folklore. The musician was a middle-aged woman who plays a traditional Kuwaiti instrument. 
She received a call from a prospective client who wanted to hire her for her services during the month of Ramadan. Since it is inappropriate to perform music during Ramadan, the witness initially refused. But the caller insisted and tripled her usual fee, eventually persuading her to go. The caller sent their own driver to pick her up, and what began as a usual musical event suddenly took a sharp turn for the supernatural. The party started early in the evening but continued on until 12 a.m., at which point some of the attendees began to act bizarrely. A group of young girls at the center of the room, for example, started to dance very aggressively. They moved in such a vigorous manner that their legs began showing under their long dresses, revealing that their legs were not in fact those of humans, but rather bore a closer resemblance to horses' legs. Terrified, the woman ran out of the party where she found the driver who had picked her up waiting for her. She quickly got into the car and refused to comment when the driver asked her what was wrong due to being too distraught to speak coherently. After a couple of minutes, however, she had calmed down enough to be asked again by the driver. She told him that some of the partygoers did not have human legs, prompting the driver to reply, you mean just like mine, before revealing his legs under his clothes. Like the young girls at the gathering, they were those of an animal. The woman was hysterical with fear at this point, and so threw herself from the car and landed on the street, rendering herself unconscious. The next day, after reporting the bizarre incident, she decided to return to the villa accompanied by the local authorities. However, the villa was gone. It had completely vanished, leaving nothing behind but an empty yard. My grandfather told me this story when I was a teenager. I'm 52 now. My granddad grew up in the woods of central New Brunswick, in a very remote area, where only survivalists go now. Their whole family lived out in the sticks. They lived by hunting, fishing, trapping, and some logging. Granddad said when he was a teenager, he and his older brother Duke were up in the early hours checking trap lines on an old motorbike. It was early fall. Frost was on the grass and early morning mist still hung around the forest edges. He was rolling cigarettes with his brother, and they were out of matches, so they dipped a bit of cloth in the gas tank and ignited it off the coil wire while Duke kicked the bike over. The sound of a bike being kicked over without an ignition is sort of like an animal call. That's how my granddad described it. Anyways, just as they started smoking their cigarettes, my grandfather noticed something bounding through the tree line toward them. Granddad said it ran in a way a bear did, but it stopped several yards away from them and stood up on its hind legs. It was still too far away to tell what it was, but they assumed it was a black bear because they are very common in New Brunswick. That's when it began walking upright toward them. As it got nearer, Granddad said it looked like a huge werewolf. 
His family origin was German, so this was not unknown. It got as close as 20 feet away from them, and then began to eye them closely. It sniffed their smokes, and then turned and hopped, ran back to the trees. Grandad said they were not scared. He said they were only shocked that such a creature was living in the woods. Grandad said it was taller than any man, had a huge head, evil eyes, long upright ears, hands with long claws, and had hair all over its body. I can't remember what color he said its fur was, but he said it had wolf-like legs. I work as an EMT for an ambulance company. EMS has always been full of superstitions and most of us believe in the supernatural on account of all the crazy gruesome stuff we get to see on any given shift. Every company, every EMT, every firefighter has a story about the estation that is haunted or something that happened to them that can only be explained as paranormal. For the company I work at, we have about five stations, each with their own stories. Only one or two truly scary stories, though. Mostly things like employees seeing shadows out of the corner of their eyes, getting uneasy feelings in the stations, or hearing an unexplained knock voice or being hissed or growled at occasionally. The station I work at was no different. The station I work at is our main station, meaning that is where we keep all of our extra resupply. So it is not uncommon for various crews to be going in and out of the station at all hours of the day. It was common knowledge that the ambulance bay was creepy at night. And people report hearing voices, footsteps or ambulance doors opening and closing out in the garage. Now I've worked at this station for two years and I've hears these things, but it's always been easy to dismiss this as my partner doing something out in the bay or another crew doing some late night resupply. The only experience I've had there that I couldn't explain was I was distinctly growled at in the garage late one night. At that time I quickly realized that the only person in the bay was me, and I certainly didn't growl at myself and quickly left. That was all I ever experienced there, and for the most part felt very comfortable at that station. Until last night. The station is small and consists of a living room with a kitchenette attached to a hallway. This hallway lead to the garage on one side, the bathroom on the other, and at the end of hallway is a door leading to the GR's bedroom, which you can then walk through to get to the SR's bedroom. If you go into the garage, there is a staircase that leads into the attack that stretches above the entire living quarters of the station. Me Jr. and my partner Sr. are dead asleep in our respective bedrooms. All the doors closed. When I am awoken to all these loud banging noises and the walls shaking, I realize that this banging isn't just banging, but actually running. Something huge, heavy, and fast is stomping and running around in the attack upstairs. It is stomping and running so loud it is quite literally shaking the walls. Whatever it was must have been huge to have been making sounds this loud. Then it gets faster. 
It's so fast and loud. It is running across the entire length of the attack. It is moving faster than anything can move. The stomping is happening one right after another. It almost sounded like there were ten people up there, or a creature with too many legs running right above my bed. It's so fast. It's too fast. I'm sitting upright in my bed now, huddled in the corner of the bedroom, absolutely horrified. I get this deep, visceral, primal feeling of dread, almost like what prey must feel like when they are being hunted. And suddenly, it's as if a thought from somewhere else is placed into my mind, and I just know with every fiber of my being that it knows that I am awake and that I know it's there. Like sick twisted version of that Spider-Man meme. In between the stomping and the running I can hear this barking, whirling sound. It's hard to describe. Like a grunt mixed with the sound of wind. It is making this sound as it is running. I realize that it is moving so fast I can hear the wind it is creating swooshing and whipping around it, and it is grunting as it is running. So now I very silently get up and I walk over to the sir bedroom door and try to open it, but it's locked. I feel as though I can't make a noise or it will come through into the station and kill me. I'm quietly knocking on the door, I'm crying, pleading for my partner to let me in. I'm thinking this is so loud, there's no way she is asleep, but she is. She's out cold and I don't get a response. I decided that my partner had the right idea and I crept over to the GR bedroom door, separating my bedroom from the hallway that leads to the garage and the rest of the station and locked the door. So I silently creep back over to my corner in the bed with my blankets and begin to text her. It is 1.45 and I am begging her to wake up over text and describing what I am hearing. She's not answering so I text her fiancé and ask him to call her and wake her up. But he's not answering either. It is at this point I decide to text my mom. As I'm sitting there you get a similar feeling to before, an intense dread, a stark realization of pure truth. It doesn't even feel like my own thought, more like a pace of truth was just slipped to me by the universe. The thing upstairs is not human. I'm explaining to my mom what I am hearing. All these loud swishing wind sounds and stomping and running. Then I hear it run down the stairs. When I tell you my heart stopped and my soul left my body. When I heard coming down the stairs my stomach dropped into my ass and I was nauseous. I genuinely thought I was going to die. I was waiting for it to start pounding on the door, and I had never been more thankful in my life, because I thought to have locked it earlier. I was waiting for screaming or the door to start shaking or something. But it never came. It ran impossibly fast and hard back up the stairs. Up the stairs, down the stairs, across the attack, down the attack, above my head in circles, down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, across the attack, down the stairs. It is going all over. 2. Fast. So now I'm absolutely hysterical on the phone with my mom. 
No one ever prepared me for dealing with being hunted and taunted by a demon. My mom is trying to calm me down. She asks me, what do you want me to do? I didn't know. I don't know what she can do. I don't know what to do. I just whisper, I don't know what to do. Just please don't hang up. She tells me to bang on my partner's door and wake her up, and I do. My partner wakes up and hear rustling in her bedroom and she goes, yeah, in a dismissive voice and slowly walks over to the door and opens it. I literally shoved her back in the room, whipped around faster than I ever moved in my life, closed the door and locked it. I explained to her everything I was hearing and we go and sit on the bed. The activity is dying down now but it is still active enough for her to hear the running upstairs too. It is now 2.45. Another crew that gets off at 3 got to our station to put their truck away and clock out to go home. Me and my partner huddled together, glued to each other's hips, hurried outside together to meet with them out in the building parking lot. It is at this point that we realize that a completely separate crew from around 23.11 p.m. that night had not only left our truck full of medical equipment and drugs unlocked out in the parking lot in an area known for being a not-so-great area, but also left our garage door open, giving literally just anybody access to our entire station. Me and my partner are terrified and aren't willing to go back into the station at this point. The crew that's getting off at 3 goes into the station to clock out, and when they come back they see us hanging out in our truck. They joke with us for a minute over the ghost and make fun of us for sleeping in the truck for the rest of the shift. We ask them if they heard anything and to which the SR on that crew who has been there for a long time and staunchly believe in the supernatural says, yeah, it definitely sounds like there is someone walking up there, but he's harmless. Me and my partner are just harmless. That thing is not harmless. They leave and we decided to call for PD to make sure that it wasn't some crackhead that had gotten in while the garage door had been left open. PD got there and searched very thoroughly and found no one and no evidence of anyone being there. It is 4 and we notify our dispatch that station was cleared to be safe by PD and together we venture back inside. We elected to keep the truck in the parking lot so we would have to go back into the garage if we got a call or needed to make a quick escape from the demon and together we huddle together in the living room with all the lights on until we get off at 7. I heard a few minor bumps and bangs, but nothing crazy. Things that could be dismissed as house noises and whatnot. I barely slept, and I am not looking forward to going back there later this week. I never imagined that a secret meeting among government generals would thrust me into a living nightmare. I sat in a dimly lit, windowless room surrounded by stern-faced men in uniform. Our top general, a man of steely resolve, paced before us, his voice commanding attention. 
Gentlemen, he began, we have captured one of the unknown creatures, but it has fled our laboratory. We must find it before it wreaks havoc. The hushed tension in the room was palpable as he continued to describe the creature we had inadvertently unleashed upon the world. Its description sent shivers down my spine. It had black fur that was very coarse-looking, even for this time of year, the general explained. It was kind of like fur on a bear, but it stood up on two legs just like you and I do. The face was very wide, with eyes that were kind of glowing and pulsating white. It had very long arms, not quite as long as an ape's, but they hung right by its chest and the hands only had three fingers, no thumbs that I could see. The fingers resembled more like claws. The room fell into an uneasy silence. The mere thought of such a creature roaming free in the world was a chilling prospect. The general's grim expression revealed the gravity of the situation. As the general continued to brief us on the urgency of the situation, I couldn't help but think of the innocent hikers and campers who frequented our national forests. They were oblivious to the lurking horror that had been unleashed upon them. Days turned into nights as we embarked on a relentless hunt for the escaped creature. Our search took us deep into the heart of the national forest where the creature had vanished. It was a place where the trees seemed to close in around us, casting eerie shadows in the moonlight. One fateful night, our pursuit took a sinister turn. We stumbled upon a grisly scene, the remains of an innocent hiker brutally mauled by the creature. Blood stained the forest floor, and our flashlights revealed a trail of destruction leading deeper into the wilderness. As we followed the gruesome path, the forest seemed to close in around us, and the atmosphere grew oppressive. Each rustle of leaves or snap of twigs sent shivers down our spines. We were no longer the hunters, we had become the hunted. Hours turned into days, and the relentless pursuit pushed us to the brink of exhaustion. Just when hope seemed lost, a stroke of luck led us to the creature's hiding place. A GPS signal provided the breakthrough we needed, and we closed in on its location. The final confrontation was a harrowing ordeal. The creature, cornered and desperate, unleashed its fury upon us. But we were prepared, armed with advanced technology and military precision. In the end, we captured the creature once more, ending the reign of terror it had unleashed upon the National Forest. The death of the innocent hiker remained a secret, buried beneath layers of government cover-up. As I look back on that dreadful chapter of my life, I can't help but wonder how many more creatures like the one we captured might still be lurking in the shadows, waiting for their chance to escape. The horrors of that secret meeting continue to haunt my nightmares, a chilling reminder that the unknown can be far more terrifying than we ever dared to imagine.